with me take these hands take these hands I know they're empty but with you I can seated as we uh, move towards a time of prayer. This has been an interesting uh, week of prayer for me and many people I know. As uh, you all know, I, uh, I used to work in Haiti and moved back here to help work there again. And just over a week ago, a, a huge earthquake happened there. And immediately some, some people and I, we were moved to prayer to see how God would, would work in us. 
And then you start watching TV and you see all the junk that's happening in Afghanistan. You're just heartbroken for the people that are just, well, to be honest, we know what's going to happen to them. You're like, God, what kind of hopelessness is there out there in this world? But around that same time, uh, I got a phone call from a Haitian friend and said, hey, we're, we can ship things to Haiti from the U.S. for free if we can get there by Wednesday. And I saw God start to move through really average, normal people to do great things. You know, we often, we often turn to these, we say, oh, we need someone really big and famous and rich. No, it was just nickel, dimes, dollars. And made a huge impact. I'll talk a little more about that in a bit. But then I also was turned, I heard of a radio host, and I looked into it to see if it was true. And this guy was heartbroken by what was going on in Afghanistan. And literally in 48 hours raised over $20 million from people like you and me to literally save people from being killed by their enemies. God is doing great things through prayer and through those who rely on Him and trust Him. I have so many uh, great stories of different types of prayers being answered and people being moved by prayer this week. So I want us now to, to be humbled, to let God speak to us. Uh, he wants to do some really great things as He speaks to us and moves us if we will just take the time to listen. So let's, let's move together in prayer right now. Father, we want to first of all praise You for being for being so merciful so full of grace for showing us the light even in the toughest of times and Lord I pray that we will not be discouraged by the tough things that are going on around us that we will not be broken by circumstances which seem uh, just unbeatable Lord, we know that you can conquer all. You as creator of all. You that gives us every, every beautiful sunset. And every glorious sunrise. And everything in between. Lord, we know that you are ruler of all. We praise you, Father. And we invite you into our lives. We invite your spirit to move in us so that we might be open to your will that lives can be changed and that people ultimately would be saved by you and with all the glory just the wonderful life and afterlife that comes with that we praise you Father and we just look forward to more of this adventure that you're going to put out before us today in your holy name, Amen Thank you.
All right, I'm back for more already. So I want to talk a little bit about uh, Haiti and what has gone on through you all and through uh, people like you throughout the United States. Like I said, I got this call on Monday that we could ship things, but we had basically 48 hours to do it. Uh, so made some internet posts, talked to Pastor Garen, talked to some of you, called friends around the U.S., and within less than two days, I had an entire pickup full. The bed was filled up. Uh, the cab was filled up. I could barely drive. And I went Wednesday morning down to Fort Lauderdale, unloaded a whole truckload of stuff, and the money has still been pouring in, which is great because it is an ongoing thing. But uh, even got, got interviewed by Haitian Radio Television. So uh, it, it was kind of my friends in Haiti were laughing. Is They're like, oh, you could be a politician now. I was like, no, you shoot those guys. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, uh, it was just uh, it was pretty amazing to see what was going on. So I thank you sincerely for the work that you have done, for the gifts that you've given to Haiti. Uh, I spoke with the, uh, the, the main DS in Haiti last night, and he talked about some ongoing projects that they're going to develop, which there's some great stuff going to happen. Um, but it, it was a it was a tough week, and I felt a bit overwhelmed. And uh, the the great thing about living next to the ocean is you just can go down there, and God speaks to you. You all ever do that? And so I uh, scooped up the kids last night. We went there and spent sunset swimming last night, and it was wonderful. And God spoke. And I was up way too early this morning, way earlier than I wanted to be. And God was saying, "Hey, I need to talk to you some more." So back out there for a beautiful sunrise this morning. And what he wanted me to, to hear was that I've got this all under control. There's some chaos that's going to surround you the rest of your life. You've seen it before. You're going to see it again. I have got this under control. Trust in me. And it's funny, as I spent an hour walking uh, this morning just in the waves, he was like, what do you need besides me and this? He's like, I'm going to take care of everything. Just trust me and follow me. And uh, he actually showed me that he'd been doing that the whole week before. Working through you all, working through people that you all have never met in other places, giving to this church to pass it on to the Haitians. So I thank you immensely for that. And um, in the coming weeks, I will have some other projects to announce. My prayer is that eventually... uh, I'll be able to start taking groups there again if any of you are adventurous and happen to like goat meat. It's a great place to go. But uh, So I thank you. Now next, we do have a new class coming up. Correct, Pastor? All right. Emotionally healthy spirituality. So from this, we, uh, we have a lot of healing that needs to be done. Uh, I used to not be so much for that kind of talk. You know, put on the tough guy face. But we've all got things to to heal from and to work through. Uh, So you will come out of this faster, stronger, something like that, right? But more in tune with what God wants you to be. What kind of warrior He wants you to be. and What kind of compassionate person He wants you to be. And as we work together to work through these things, we can be more in the center of His will. I mean, what is there more to life than just being in tune with God? And all the different paths that take us there. I've got a lot of healing to do. I've been playing uh, disc golf with Ken every week. 
And this guy smokes me every single week, and it's really tough. So I've got a lot of healing to do. So, all right, thank you. We are going to come to a time of the service where we pass a piece. And, uh, you know, I woke up this morning, and the first thing I did when I rolled over was I pulled my phone out, hit the Bible app, and read the first verse that popped up. And it fits so perfectly. The first thing I thought after I read this was, man, I hope I pass a piece this morning. Because I feel like it's something that God wanted me to share with you guys. It says, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord has forgave you. I'm going to read that again. That's in Colossians chapter 3, verse 13. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. This is why we come to this time of the service where we pass the peace with one another. That not only do we, do we expect us to be in a relationship with Jesus Christ and have peace with him, but also to have peace with one another as the body of Christ. You know, it's a, it would be a horrible thing if my hand decided to start punching my foot because it didn't look like a hand. Or if uh, when my foot was in need, then my hand was like, I'm not going to help you. And so we need to work together as the body of Jesus Christ and so that's why we come to this time where we pass a peace. If you're online, first I want to welcome you. Uh, and the way that that looks like is you just may, might tag somebody, you might at them. You know, if you put the at sign and then write their name, it'll notify them. And let them know peace be with you. Uh, if you're here in person, it might be a wave, a, uh, you know, an air five, whatever the case is. Uh, but the intent is still there that we want peace amongst all of us as well with Jesus Christ. And so may I be the first to tell you this morning, may the peace of the Lord be with you. Thank you. Pass that peace to one another. So before we go into a time where we continue in worship, um, in regards to passing the peace, my wife's not in here right now. Who, who knows who my wife is? Raise your hand, Giuliani. You know, you guys will see her, you know, at the end of service. She's normally with the kids and stuff like that. If you ever hear her talking, she sometimes says, you know, like, obviously we have two young, beautiful girls. You see them running around here at the end of service sometimes. She says that she has three, right? Because then she says I'm like one of her kids. And so, anyways, when it comes to passing the peace, if you could pass her, when you see her, if you could pass her a little extra peace as she's about to have her fourth child. And so we just found out that she was pregnant here the other day. And so if you see her, give her a little extra peace because now she has two girls, one boy, and then we have another on the way. Uh, with that being said, though, guys, let's continue in worship, uh, you know, with our tithes and offering. And uh, again, guys, I mean, you know, the things that I like to point out in this time that we have here is it is an act of worship one thing is it is an act of worship um god wants us to do it joyfully this is something that should be done joyfully and we should be honored to be able to participate in this garen you missed it my wife is pregnant yeah garen just walking in for those of you guys online uh you know i didn't tell him yet so anyways um but then guys also uh you know this is an opportunity that we are able to give back to god and so, uh, you know, let's, let's pray for this time that we have here. Lord, we thank you so much for being a God that provides. That, Lord, you know, as we look to this world, as we see the ocean, 
stop just in time to not flood everything. And Lord, we see the sun go down and rise. And Lord, the trees, they produce what we need and we produce what they need. And Lord, everything is so in order the way that you would have this world and so uh, the design of this world. And so, Lord, you've taken care of us. And so, Father, this time that we have here to give back to you, Lord, I pray that you would bless it. That you bless the giver, Lord, that we would be, uh, that we would see the fruits of this offering, Lord, to further your kingdom and your ministry. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. the chance to meet you yet. My name is Garen. What's up? Oh, apparently the ring doesn't like me saying what's up. Uh, welcome, welcome, welcome to church. Justin, congratulations. I seriously thought you were just trying to, you know, steal attention. So, Wow, that's awesome. Thank you. He is, he is taking seriously the call to grow our kids department. So... <laughs> More power to you. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, growing up, there was this movie that was, oh, man, it was it. Was it. Um, maybe you heard about it. it it's about these, these uh, I don't know, wizards or famous crazy people, and they had machetes, but they were made out of some sort of laser something, and do you know what I'm talking about? Star Wars? Yeah, man, I had the sheets and the window curtains, and I was, I was living it. And I loved Star Wars. And then came the prequels, which were not as good, in my opinion, um, or in anyone's opinion. Uh, but, you know, they had people like Jar Jar Binks and that, you know, Misa, go over there. And it's like, no, 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 don't, don't do that. Let's just... Which George Lucas said was the critical role of the whole saga. He said everything rested on Jar Jar Binks. And I have no idea how. I think they had to revamp it because people hated him so much they cut him out of most of the rest of the movies. Anyway, there was this guy in... Uh, throughout the whole saga, and his name was Palpatine. I don't know if you remember him. He was the senator of Naboo. And eventually he became 
the emperor, and eventually you find out, do, 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 he's the bad guy, and he becomes the emperor, and he's the one that wore the black cloak, and he had the lightning coming out of his fingers, and he was kind of crazy, and it was, it was just kind of creepy. And he would do whatever he wanted to do. And if, ever, you know, there was one time in one of the first episodes and someone was like, do you think people will go along with what you're doing? I mean, this isn't legal. And he says, then I will make it legal. And I think what he was saying there was, oh, you think this is a big deal? I mean, you think there's going to be a problem? No, no big deal. If we need to make it legal, we'll make it legal. I'll fill out a form. We'll put it up. In triplicate, I'll submit it, no big deal. We'll make it legal. If legal is what you need, it doesn't matter that I'm going to do something completely evil. If legal is all you need, okay, we can make this legal, no big deal. And then I can do whatever I want because it's legal. Now, I think most of you know this, but just in case you don't, let me clue you in. As it turns out, legality and morality are not the same thing. They're not even two sides of the same coin. Now, there are times when legality lines up with morality, but then there are other times, and we know this from political parties, and we know this from corporate greed, and we know this from people that are trying to get you know, attention of senators to pass their own personal agendas. We know that legality is not always the same as morality, and when it comes down to the two... Morality is better. You can, you can be legal and sometimes moral, but, and you can be moral and sometimes legal, but they don't always go hand in hand. See, the problem is, so many people, when they're looking at legal, what they're really talking about is a struggle for power. I want you to make this legal so that I can flex my power and impose my will upon whatever it is and whoever it is that I'm wanting to do. And I think Lord Acton was right, and you probably know this quote that he said, whether you know he said it or not. Power tends to corrupt, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. I mean, we're all striving for power, aren't we? I mean, it goes all the way back to the garden. Remember, Eve saw the fruit and she knew that if I just take of it, I'll be wise and like a god. I'll have this power. And from that day on, we've been fighting against what's mine and what I deserve versus this moral higher road. And we see it all the time. If you have children... Justin, you're about to be reminded again. You do not need to teach a kid how to say mine and grab stuff. It's in their, it's almost like they're born with it, isn't it? You have to teach them how to share and how to be kind and how to be giving. You don't have to teach them how to take everything because that's our nature. We want, we want, we want, and we don't care if you have it or not as long as I have it. And, and I think this struggle for power, um, I think um, Palpatine with his lightning fingers is, is this beautiful example of a reminder that legality and morality are not the same things. And I think if you can get this goofy example from these space cowboys happening a long, long time ago in a galaxy far away, you will understand that the two things 
are different. And Jesus is talking about this issue in our passage today. And it's a passage that is um, uncomfortable for many, shocking for many, but it's something that we can't just skip over because it's in here. And if we're going to be true to this, we kind of have to look at what it says, right? Especially if the color of the writing is red. Those are kind of, if you're, if you're not a Christ follower and you don't have a Bible, if there's red writing, that means that that's what Jesus said. And so we really want to pay attention to what Jesus was saying. And we really want to understand what he meant when he was talking about this. And so we're going to be reading this passage. We are in these six antitheses of Jesus. These six things where Jesus says, you've heard this and you've understood it this way, but you really missed the point. What I really meant was this. And we've talked about murder, and we've talked about adultery, and the next thing we talk about is divorce. And this is troubling to a lot of people. In fact, statistically, it's troubling perhaps to up to 50% of the people because that's what the American statistic is. Up to 50% have gone through a divorce. And if we're not careful, and if we're only listening with our 21st century Western civilization ears, we may miss the point that Jesus is trying to make because we're too busy being defensive. So what I want you to do as best you can, take all that away. We're not going to look at this through current, a current lens. We're going to look at this through the lens that Jesus was talking about. And that takes us back to our two questions. Do you remember? Anytime we look at scripture, we want to know, you know, Who's speaking and who are they speaking to? And what's the setting? And if we can get down to those two things, we can understand the deeper truth that is found in the scripture. So we have this setting. Jesus is talking on the sermon, the sermon on the Mount, and it's about 2,000 years ago. And you had this Roman oppression over the, these people, these Hebrew people, Jewish people that were God's people. And the Roman Empire was oppressing them. And so what's happening during this time is you have religious leaders and other people that are trying to access some of the power of the Romans so that they have a little bit of control in this chaotic endeavor. So if you have your scripture, if you have your Bibles with me, I, um, I did not make anything for the screen, and I apologize, I should have told you in advance, usually I read it from the screen, but I just want you to hear the words. You're welcome to turn there if you want. But I want you to listen to the words of Jesus today. Matthew chapter 5, just two verses, verses 31 and 32. You've heard the law that says a man can divorce his wife by merely giving her a written notice of divorce. But I say that a man who divorces his wife, unless she has been unfaithful, causes her to commit adultery. And anyone who marries a divorced woman also commits Adultery. Now, pump the brakes, once again, before we let emotion interpret what we're talking about, we want to find out what was Jesus addressing 2,000 years ago. What's the larger context of the setting? And the first part's pretty easy to understand. You've heard it said that a man can divorce his wife by merely giving her a written notice of divorce. Okay, that's pretty straightforward. And in my Bible, there's a little asterisk by it. If you have your Bible, maybe it says... says an asterisk or a star or a number or whatever. And if I look down, 
if it says you've heard it said or there's a law, there's probably reference to what he was talking about when he said it. And in my Bible, it says Deuteronomy 24, 1. Some Bibles will say Deuteronomy 24, 1 through 4. And so let's go to Deuteronomy and figure out what is Jesus referring to. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Deuteronomy 24, and we're going to see if we can kind of unpack and clarify what Jesus is talking about when he's talking about divorce in this setting. So, verse 1. Suppose a man marries a woman, but she does not please him. Having discovered something wrong with her, he writes a document of divorce, hands it to her, and sends her away from his house. When she leaves the house, she's free to marry another man. But if a second husband also turns against her, writes a document of divorce, hands it to her, and sends her away, or if he dies, the first husband may not marry her again, for she has been defiled. That would be detestable to the Lord. You must not bring guilt upon the land the Lord your God is giving you as a special possession. I don't know about you, but that did not clarify very much for me. Did it clear up anything for you? In fact, it kind of sounded a little bit more confusing. But we have a solution for that. What's going on in this setting? Let's look at the bigger picture. Who's, who's speaking? Who are they speaking to? And what's the setting? And what we have here is we have these Hebrew people that are being spoken to. God is speaking to them through Moses, and he's given them these rules, these guidelines, and he's giving it to them right after they've been rescued from Egypt, right after they have spent over 400 years as slaves, as property, as not even human. And God gives them these laws. Now, um, if, you're, if you have a Bible, a lot of times they'll have little headings and and. I think that may help us a little bit. Um, in my Bible, it says miscellaneous regulations. That's the passage that we're looking on. I know so far y'all are like, this is riveting. Some of your Bibles may have in chapter 23 and 24 a title that says this is going to talk about ethics. Some of your Bibles may have something that has a title that says protection for the weak. Protection for the weak sounds a lot different than the mind frame that a lot of us were thinking about when we were looking in Matthew. So let's run with that and see, well, what is he talking about when he's talking about protection for the weak? I mean, if we're just looking with our 21st century ears, this just sounds like guys can do whatever they want. And it's this prudish law that doesn't make sense and it's not fair. And but again, what's happening here? Protecting the weak is different than what it sounds like when we listen to it with our ears. So let's look at this. Protecting the weak is this whole section. And and let's just look at a couple of verses and see if we can figure it out. Okay, verse 19. 23, 19. Don't charge interest on loans that you make with a fellow Israelite. Okay. That makes sense. Be generous. Ken comes to me and says, I need a cup of sugar. I don't expect him to pay me back two cups of sugar. I'm generous with him. He needs it. I give it. I'm in the middle of a home renovation, and it's horrible. Home renovations are the worst. I need a lot of tools because when you are doing a renovation, there are a lot of specialized tools that you need, and I don't have a lot of them, and I don't want to buy them. So I go over to my next-door neighbor, George, and he has every tool under the sun. And when he lets me borrow them, he doesn't say, okay, but when you give this back, I expect. No. 
Be generous with what you give. Verse 21, when you make a vow to the Lord your God, be prompt in fulfilling what you have promised. Okay, so, so don't take advantage of people. That makes sense. If, if you give me $10, I need to pay it back as soon as I can. I don't need to let it go on for weeks and months until you forget about it or I forget about it. Okay, because you're helping me, and that's nice, but I don't want to take advantage of that. Okay. Verse 24, when you enter your neighbor's vineyard, you may eat your fill of grapes, but you must not carry any away in a basket. Okay. I think I get that. So that's like in Texas, there's a restaurant called Genghis Grill, and this is Mongolian barbecue, and you can, for $10.99, get all-you-can-eat Mongolian barbecue. And what you do is you can go through the line as many times as you want, and you can fill up your bowl with as much fruit, vegetables, and meat as you want, and they'll cook it up for you, and it tastes delicious. You can do that as many times as you want, but you don't get so much and then say, hey, can I have a takeover? I don't take advantage of Genghis Grill. They're giving me all I can eat. That's all I can eat right there. I don't want to take advantage of them. And all of a sudden, I start to notice that a lot of these laws and rules that sound kind of weird on the surface, they're all kind of about protecting the weak, aren't they? And then we get to our passage, and it talks about divorce and a certificate and all this kind of stuff that's a little bit confusing. And we'll come back to that. But let's look at verse 5. A newly married man must not be drafted into the army or given any other official responsibilities. Okay, I get that. So, I just got married. I need to be able to establish my family. I need to be able to start having children. You don't want me to go off to war die and then my wife is left alone without any air without any support and it basically could ruin her life okay that makes sense protection for the weak verse six it's wrong to set a mill uh, to take a set of millstones even just the upper millstones as security for a loan for the owner uses it to make a living okay so so what i hear some deals are okay but there are some deals that you just don't do because it could wreck somebody if you make a deal with them. And you want to protect them. And so there are some things that you don't do just because it's the right thing not to do it. You with me so far? So we are protecting the weak. And before we know it, these rules don't sound like these crazy, prudish rules that are meant to make you angry or upset. They really start to sound like rules that are meant to help the vulnerable and the hurting and the least among the community. It's simple help so that those that have no power and authority can be protected. Because if you're not careful, the most vulnerable above us are the easiest to run over. And so God started these rules and regulations to help protect the least among them. And it's up to the neighbor to help make sure that that happens. So, so that frames our passage a little differently, doesn't it? I mean, so yeah, if a man discovers a discrepancy, he can give her a certificate of divorce. So yes, there is, there is of course, there, there are reasons when a divorce might happen. But it's not for frivolous things. It's not simply because you decided you wanted to upgrade to the newer, younger, hotter version, wife 2.0. Y- 
If you do that, you're not doing anything different than the Egyptians did when they made you nothing more than property. When they dehumanized you and said, you are just something for me to use in my power until I don't want you anymore and then I'll discard you. And, and what was happening was this, this was taking place a lot. And people were using any kind of rule that they, they wanted to get out of whatever they wanted. And they said, well, I made it legal. I mean, they said I could write up a certificate of divorce, so it's okay. And that's not what Jesus was saying right here. Yes, there are legitimate reasons when divorce could happen. Relationships, well, sometimes they break. Bad choices sometimes happen. And Jesus is saying, when they do, there is protocol for what you would do when that happens. But you don't take this lightly. And what this law did was it kept the man from basically, young ears, young people, cover your ears, from making your wife a prostitute. Sending her out to the next person because you don't want her. And you can't just do that and then take her back later. You need to release her so that she can be free to remarry in the community. And it doesn't sound like an act of mercy in our 21st century ears, but it really is. I mean, if a woman was divorced back in that time, they lost their home. They lost their security. They lost... Anything that was going for them and a woman and a child would be put out on the street and left up to their own devices. And when there's nothing that you can do, you will do anything you can do. And Jesus is saying, that's not protecting the weak among you. Now, most of us would say, and we would agree that most of us feel like marriage is supposed to be semi-permanent, right? I mean, if, if you got married in the church, chances are you read uh, Genesis 2 at your wedding, or the pastor said something, something like it. Genesis 2.24 basically says, um, This one's become bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She'll be called woman because she's taken from a man. And this explains why a man leaves his father and a woman is joined to his wife, and the two are united as one. Sounds pretty permanent, right? I mean, there's not a lot of ambiguity there. It's not like, well, sort of permanent. The two shall become one. And we know that God is not a fan of divorce. If you go to Malachi, which is right before Matthew, now you know why I didn't give you notes, because we're skipping around. Malachi 2.16, we see what God says about divorce. And again, listen with... First century ears, not 21st century ears. I hate divorce, says the Lord. To divorce your wife is to overwhelm her with cruelty. So guard your hearts and don't be unfaithful to your wife. It's not that God changed his mind on marriage. It's not that God said, okay, I said this is forever and now it's not. No, God still is not a fan of divorce, but it's as if God understood my law is not imperfect, but humanity is broken. 
And, and when things break, the original plan, although perfect, sometimes concessions need to be made and alternate plans need to happen. And God said, although I'm not a fan of it, there are legal and right reasons why a divorce should happen. It's because there's brokenness. We're broken people. I bring my baggage into my marriage. She brings her baggage into it too. And sometimes we're just broken. And sometimes we're just idiots. And we do dumb things because that's kind of our default a lot of times, isn't it? And when that happens, there are times when a divorce is allowed. But, but that wasn't what was, what was hoped for. God made allowances for the situation, and, and we're thankful for that, aren't we? But, but if you go back to Matthew 5, really, Jesus is saying, yes, there's allowances, but don't take advantage of this law just because it's legal. And so that's, that's verse 31. Verse 32 says, but I say to you, a man who divorces his wife, unless she's been unfaithful, causes her to commit adultery. And that's the part that gets weird, isn't it? That's weird. If we're listening with our 21st century ears, that seems weird. And anyone who marries a divorced woman also commits adultery. See, in our Western civilization, we think, well, I've got, I meet someone, I date her, I court her, I ask her to marry me, we get engaged, we get married, and there's this natural flow, and it's just me and her, and we go to the pastor, or we go to the, um, the court, and they give us a legal paper, and then it's done. But back then, if we're taking off our lens and we're putting on the lens back then, marriage was so much more than that. Marriage was this spiritual union. It was this social union. It was this community union. All of these elements were part of marriage. And when two people merged and became one, you didn't just cut the branch off and try to solder it onto a different tree. No, you guarded it and you protected it as long as you could because you understood that it was precious and it was sacred. But over time, people had started to figure out, men had started to figure out that, ooh, I've got a loophole and I can do what I want and make it legal. See, the guys were in the driver's seat and if they decided that they weren't happy with the woman anymore, they could just get another woman. Now, in today's society, in the 21st century, we say, well, the woman should say good riddance. I don't need you, dude. I'll go out. I'll get my own place. I'll get my own job. I, I don't need you at all. But again, if we're looking at 2,000 years ago and thousands of years before that, when it was written in Deuteronomy, women did not have the same power that men had. Right or wrong, that's the way it was. And men were using any excuse they wanted to upgrade to a different spouse. You don't like the wife you have. You don't like the way she cooks or the way she talks to you or whatever it is. No problem. Just go get a certificate, get a divorce, send her on her way. Awesome. For a little bit of uh, money, which went to the priests, we can make this all legal. And then you can come to the temple and we can all cut up before we go into the temple and we can have a good time because we're all good because we made it all legal. 
But legality and morality are not the same thing. What happened to the women? What happened to the children? What happened to the vulnerable in that situation? Well, many times they were homeless. They were penniless. They were ruined. They were completely vulnerable. They were nothing more than an object to cast out. And it's all right. I mean, it sounds like it's wrong, doesn't it? I mean, that shouldn't be, that shouldn't be loud, should it? Well, I mean, it's legal. We can do it. it made, we made it legal. I gave him the paperwork. He took my money. I sent her on her way. It's legal. What could be wrong? Because nothing could ever be wrong if it's legal, right? Jesus is saying, if you are doing this to someone, if you are devaluing them, if you are dehumanizing them, you are doing something that is so destructive. And just like murder wasn't just about murder, it was a much bigger picture. Murder was just an example. Divorce is just an example. When you dehumanize your employees, when you dehumanize your children, when you devalue anyone and in your power, make them less than, you may be legally allowed. But morally, you're wrong. And that's what Jesus is talking about in Matthew chapter 5. Love doesn't dehumanize. Remember we talked about uh, love isn't hostile. And then we talked about love isn't selfish. And then we get to this point. Love doesn't dehumanize. Love protects the weak. Love protects the vulnerable. Love takes advantage of those people who have no voice. You are their voice because you take care of them. And what was happening was these men of that day were taking a law that was meant to protect others and they were using it as a weapon against them. And Jesus is saying, that's not the way of love. You want to know what I look like? And we went through the Beatitudes, and that's what Jesus looks like. You want to know what I look like? And we talked about Jesus' light, and Jesus' salt, and Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. You want to know what love looks like? It doesn't dehumanize and take advantage of somebody just because you legally can just because they won't say anything, just because you have the power and authority to do it. Love doesn't dehumanize. So, what does this mean for us living in Florida in 2021? I think there are a couple of takeaways that we can take from this passage. First off, I think from the beginning... um, it's clear that marriage is about conviction and commitment. And the plan is that if you are married, you are committed to that person. 
And just because a convenience is allowed and you can make it legal doesn't mean morally you should. We're to honor our marriages as best we can. And are there reasons for divorce? Absolutely. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying because that's not what Jesus was saying. There are reasons for divorce, but we understand that we all come into marriages with scars and baggage. And we do our best to honor the person with love and reverence. And we mutually surrender and we commit and we have this conviction that we are two that have become one. And as long as we can, we are going to be that way. The second thing we can learn I think it's interesting that right before Jesus talks about divorce, he talks about adultery. Right after Jesus talks about divorce, next week we're going to talk about what it means to keep your vows. And I think that Jesus, being the mastermind that he is, understood that these all kind of go hand in hand, don't they? It's about faithfulness. Will I honor my husband? Will I honor my wife? Will I keep my vows and remain faithful to them, which will guard me from straying and being adulterous, which will guard me from divorce? Like, they're all kind of connected. And we're going to learn more about vows next week. But the question is, will I be faithful to the promise that I made when I stood before people and God? And finally, whether you're married, whether you're single... Man, woman, it doesn't matter. The fact that Jesus is speaking on this topic is compelling proof that God cares for the vulnerable. God cares for the weak. God cares for the powerless. God cares for the victims. And if we're going to be where Jesus is, that's where we need to be. If we are going to love like Jesus loves, that's who we need to love and how we need to love. If we are going to be Christ followers, or as Paul would put it, imitators of Christ, we are called to go to the vulnerable and protect them. And I don't know what that means for you. I think it may mean that some of us need to reevaluate some things that we believe about the vulnerable that are south of us, struggling on an island, or at, well, I'm not going to get into that. I will just say this. If your legality towards other people supersedes your morality towards God, you need to self-evaluate. Clear enough? Let's pray. God, I hate these types of messages. You know it's in my heart, so I might as well just say it. I don't like feeling convicted. I don't like worrying that other people are going to get mad at me because they feel convicted. 
But conviction accompanies commitment. And if we want to be committed followers of you, then we have to be willing to do the hard work of having our toes stepped on every now and then. Jesus, I confess that I don't always look through the lens of compassion towards people that are vulnerable. Whether it's people in my neighborhood or at my kids' schools. Whether it's politics or how I look at global situations around the world. It's easy for me to forget and fall back on a legality mindset. I pray that you'll forgive me. I want to be more like you, and you you always choose morality. I pray that you'll help my friends today. God, I have no idea what your spirit is saying to them. This is such a, a pointed and yet such a, a, a wide-range type of topic. But I know that you're speaking to my friends here because your Holy Spirit's here. And I pray that you will tell them what they need to hear. And I pray that we will hear and respond with hearts of love that just want to love like you. I pray for situations where we whether we want to admit it or not, we are dehumanizing others by the power we flex over them. Forgive us and help us to do better. We love you, God. We love you so much that we are willing to read the hard words and do the hard work of being changed from glory into glory. Transform us, we pray. We pray in the name of Jesus, the one who saves us, the one who said these words, the one who is coming again. Amen. We come to the time of the service here where we break bread together. And uh, I want to say, first of all, congratulations, Justin. Uh, new life is great, isn't it? I think God celebrates every time there's new life around. So what I want to do on this on this congregation is uh, pray the prayer of Abraham and Sarah on you, that maybe some of you will bring new life as well. <laughs> Didn't go over like I hoped it would. Come on, Drew. <laughs> well, as we as we come to time when we celebrate the sacrifice of of Jesus. His body, His blood. I want you to, I want to ask you to do something this week. Something a little unusual. But as we, I still chuckle at this stuff. But as we have the bread and and the wine, I like to think about who Jesus broke bread with the most. Think back to your Sunday school stories. Who did Jesus break bread with? Who did He get accused of breaking bread with? All the people you're not supposed to be with, right? All the people your mom said, don't hang out with them. That's who Jesus ran to. And he said, hey, I want to eat with you before I eat with anybody else. So let's do more than just go through what we might might say a ritual of sacraments this morning. This week, seek out someone that you would not normally break bread with. 
Maybe someone just outside of your, your circle of comfort. But go to the people that need to have bread broken with them, who need to have drink. As, so as you take your, your dollar loaf of Walmart French bread and you pass it uh, around the table, as you do that, in your heart say, Jesus, I do this in remembrance of you. As you pass around that, that two liter of Coke to share with whoever it is that you have with you, drink that Coke in remembrance of him. I think that's what he was getting at. Breaking the bread, the drinking, the celebration of his life for us. So let's open this up. He, he took the bread with his disciples, some of them who were, well, one of them was about to betray him. He broke it. And he said, when you eat this, and when you eat this with others in the future, those who aren't like you, do it in remembrance of me. So let's eat together. And as he took that cup, I don't think there's anything special about that cup. You know, Indiana Jones went looking for it and all. It was what the cup was about. His blood spilled, saying, I forgive all of you, even you, Judas, even that tax collector, collector, even that prostitute. There is forgiveness for everyone, even those of you who consider yourselves righteous. Someday you'll see the need for forgiveness. There's forgiveness even for you. So this week, find someone that you can share this time with. Even if you don't say it out loud in your heart, say, Jesus, we drink in remembrance of you. Father, we thank you for your love, which is unlike any love we've ever known. I pray that we become more like you and that we break bread and share the juice with someone who really needs your grace and mercy this week. Thank you, Father, for everything. Amen. I hope this week that you um, that you remember the flip side. We talked about what we shouldn't be doing and how we shouldn't be treating others. And we shouldn't dehumanize. And I hope that you remember how precious you are this week and how incredibly loved you are by this God who would do literally anything to be with you. So let's sing our benediction, and then I I pray that you have a great week. So sing with me. We sing hallelujah, let your kingdom come in our hearts, in our homes. Let your will be done as we go in your name. We shout and we proclaim, let your will be done. We'll see you next week.